Can I just say that one day I want to meet your neighbors who put the damn skeletons in their yard. (laughs) (laughs) I'm surprised I have not put them on Reddit yet. There, so there's this house that had to pass to come to Beth Ann's house. It's like at the corner of the street or whatever. And they put out a different skeleton like every month. I guess the same skeleton, but he's doing something different every month. Yeah, he has two skeletons and a dog skeleton. Yes. And not like the 12 foot Home Depot skeleton, just like a normal human sized skeleton that he does cool. They do cool stuff with. Yeah. So he's like last fall or two falls ago, they made a whole fucking cornfield. Yeah. And had them coming out of the cornfield. Um, at Valentine's Day, they had them like. Giving- they were supposed <laughs> to be ice skating, but it it looks like something else. Yeah. It looked like one was giving the other one a blowjob. Yeah. Um, they've had, they mow the grass in the summer. Like they just do these cute little scenarios. They have outdone themselves for Halloween. So the other night when I left, it was dark and all I saw was there was a skeleton in a canoe and I was like, okay, that that's cute. Like they haven't done them in a boat yet. So then on Saturday, when I came to pick Beth Ann up for the stretch show, I see it in the light and they made a whole goddamn shark with a little paddle boat that the little skeleton in the canoe is paddling away from. Do, do, do. No, the, the shark is not a skeleton though. Oh. He's a, he's a live shark. Yeah, but uh, I I I swear to you, I don't. I've never met him, but I guarantee you, they have to be in production design of some sort. They're or they just have too much time on their hands. Yeah, but they're the coolest fucking people. They really are, and I would like to meet them. We'll make it happen. And we need to, we t- need to just take the dogs and we just need to walk them. Yeah, like just keep walking them until they just, notice. Just walk by and then wait for them to come out. Oh, hi, neighbor! Hi, we're just really admiring your shark in your yard. Uh, we need to take a picture of the shark and put it on. We'll our just social. go knock. Can I borrow some sugar? <laughs> you got a cup of sugar, neighbor? Oh, hey, there's there's a shark in your yard. Um, I, I don't know that, if you know where that come from. I don't know if you know this, but there's a shark in your yard. You might want to get that looked at. You might want to get it looked at. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, this is not a shark podcast. No. But I'm Leah. And I'm Beth Ann. And this is She Where are they getting a dub in a CBS executive meeting? No. Bitch, don't touch my thermostat. <laughs> the ghost be like, hold up, before I haul you, let me turn down the thermostat. Who is this band? We're on page one, guys. <laughs> this is She So, hit me up with the business, Leah. We got business. But first, may I say that welcome to spooky season 2021. Yes, our third installation of spooky episodes. We're we're going to be struggling next year when it comes to round four. Yeah. I have already tried to start I, thinking of something. I have mine picked out. I might have mine picked out, but it kind of scares me a little bit. I'm also very sorry about the random sock that's on my couch. I just <laughs> it's noticed okay. There's it. also a sock in your couch. Oh, <laughs> I was looking for that one, actually. <laughs> there it was. It's the it's my Shiba Inu sock. Oh, I see it. Um, so yeah, welcome to spooky season. This one may not be as spooky as you were hoping, but we'll get there. We'll get there. Yeah. Um, business, business side of things. Um, it's a little late now that you're listening to this because it's coming out on the day that voting closes, but we were nominated for a discover pods award. We're pretty fucking stoked, which is shocking. I I didn't nominate us. So whoever out there nominated us, thank you so much. Yeah. Like, the way I found out is I'm in a group chat on Twitter and I'm driving to Chipotle one day to pick up my lunch and I get a text from, uh, I think it was our friends at Moral Combat. Mm-hmm. They're like, hey, she will rock you pod. Congrats on being nominated. I'm driving and I'm like reading this on my Apple watch and I'm like, wait, what are we talking about? So I get to Chipotle mm-hmm. and I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm waiting for my order to get ready because I did a mobile order and they're fucking slow on that Chipotle. Yeah. And he's like, here's the link. And I pull it up and I was like, what the fuck? And I'm just in Chipotle trying not to draw attention to myself and then 200 miles away because I'm on my way to an event I am taking a nap in a car which <laughs> which tends to be the pattern I tend to get big news about the podcast when I'm napping <laughs> and I feel Leah's text go off and at first I'm like nah and then I was like nah I better look and then I see it and I'm like holy shit <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah I think voting closes at some point on Friday. What is Friday's date? The 15th, October 15th, 2021. If you're listening to this at some point on Friday, go check out our socials and click the link and see if you can still vote. If you missed the voting window, follow us on social for next time we're nominated for something. I don't know. Hopefully, fingers crossed. Um, But we're just really excited about it to even be nominated. So thank you, people who did that. Um, Business item number two, we have joined the team at Quite the Thing Media. For you listeners who are listening to this, 
it really doesn't mean much for you guys. No. Like, you're not going to see a change. It's still our same show. We just have, like, more help on yes. the consulting side of things and promotion. But you'll probably start hearing other trailers for other Quite the Thing productions. Um, mm-hmm. Half the shows are Scottish, so... You know I'm all about that. If you're into accents, you go know, check them my out. My Outlander heart... Th- I only had to read it was a Scottish podcast. And I was like, done, <laughs> done. But I'm really excited and really excited that we get to work with Jeff yes. from the podcast. The podcast father. The podcast father. AKA Indie Podcast. Indie Podcast. Yeah. It, um, it's going to be really great. If you haven't listened to our interview with him, go check it out. Yes. It was a really fun interview. It was. Our audio is not great because we're dumb, but (laughs) that's on us. I take that personally. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Our box wouldn't work that day. Yeah, it wouldn't. Because that thing's dumb. That was was pre-Yeti mics. Yeah, we didn't have both. I don't know. It's it's our fault, though. So don't blame Jeff if our audio sounds bad. Totally not Jeff's fault. Uh, I think that's everything I need to mention. Yep. We did just... There's a bonus episode coming out with us. If you're like subscribed and you're listening to this, you've probably found it already. But uh, go listen to it. We went to some concerts. They were all great. Okay. I'm going to throw it to you because we got a lot of shit to get. We do got a lot of shit to talk about with this one. So first off, I am going to apologize. (laughs) So previously I had chosen artists. Previously on She Will Rock You. Previously on She Will Rock You. After Black Sabbath, I had an artist picked out in my mind. And I forget who you were going to do. Marilyn Manson. Oh, oh yeah. And so I had him picked out. And then it turns out homeboy <laughs> is a bad boy and not a bad boy in a good way. A bad boy as in a not, sexual predator not way. Not the Motley Crue way, but no. like in the, um, we don't want to talk about him on our show way. Uh, yeah. So forget that loser. So my brain is like, think, 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 think. And I... It was like, what about Grateful Dead? Because I knew about that podcast, Dead and Gone, which I never listened to, but you know, I knew I about it. I don't like to bash other podcasts, but they took not a lot of content and stretched it out way too long. Yeah. That's kind of what I got the vibes of after, after the fact, after yeah. I chose it. Um, so I figured with the name of the Grateful Dead, I would have some good spooky content. They're on theme, but like, Imagery wise, yes, we're on theme. Content wise, not quite. <laughs> but anyway, so I chose this band partly because I barely knew them, which is spooky season in hindsight, not my best choice. Yeah. But anyway, um, but I knew that they had an ice cream named after the guitarist. It's so, some really good ice cream. Cherry Garcia. So, like I said, after reading up on them, I'm still confused as hell about this band. Like there is just a lot to unpack about them. And this outline is not even like scratching the surface. I feel like of what this band is, but it's also harder to unpack it. Um, because it's just different than anything else we've covered. And a little bit of the information that I tried to get is not really readily available because it stays in the deadhead community weird we'll talk about that more that's like extreme gatekeeping yeah yeah like i was pretty like you research grateful dead like usually when i research a band like i'll just type in their name and i'll get some good articles that come up that didn't really happen this time which i thought was odd like still some articles came up like one came up that they're releasing a funko pop head of it it's about damn time yeah so that's gonna be cool but it was very it was weird like That's the links so that came interesting. up. But anyway, so I'm going to do my best. But if I miss anything, always feel free to at me on Twitter. Just don't come at me, at me. Just know I am novice in this <laughs> Grateful Dead We world. are both very confused about the yes, Grateful Dead. It makes no goddamn sense to me. And I have tried and tried to put my detective hat on for this episode and these are my findings. As I was telling you, it is what it is. Yesterday, I can't name a single song by the Grateful Dead. You know, it was weird because I listened to it today to like you know listen to a little bit, and I was I knew some of the melodies, uh-huh. which we thought was odd because I was like I've never heard this song in my life, but I knew the melodies, so I don't know what's up with that. It's playing in some background music somewhere. Probably, it's probably been in like every elevator you've ever stepped into. <laughs> Some Grateful Dead fan yeah, out there. Yeah, and you just don't realize it. Music. So anyway, 
like I mentioned, this is a completely different artist than anything we've covered. And it requires a completely different outline, which really stressed me out when I was trying to write this three days prior. Um, so not a normal structure, but we're going to start with the history and then we're getting a little experimental. Ooh. No LSD required. Damn. <laughs> anyway, let's get started to know the original members. We're basically just going to cover the original members. We'll give some others honorable mentions, but we'll start with Mr. Ice Cream himself, Jerry Mr. Garcia. <laughs> I gotta admit, up until like the age of 18, 19, that's literally all I knew about the Grateful Dead was that the ice cream. The ice cream. <laughs> well, I remember Cherry Garcia as being the best selling ice cream at Ben and Jerry's for it's a while. It's also just really fucking good ice it cream. It is. It's delicious. I haven't eaten it in forever because I always go for the Tonight Dough now. We should have gotten some for tonight. Damn it. Damn oh, it. Oh, well. Next time. Next ja. time. <laughs> uh, anyway so jerry garcia was born on august 1st 1942 in san francisco california some big life events happen early on so when he was four his brother accidentally cut off two-thirds of his right middle finger the fuck yeah they were splitting wood oh, okay that makes sense but also why are they splitting wood at that age what year is this 1942 that's why okay fair enough um <laughs> But anyway, he said it helped him play better. It's like a Tony Iommi situation. Okay. You know, Tony lost the tip of his finger. Yeah. That's the way I kind of see it. Like you kind of relearn how to play it and you get to learn different chord structures is my interpretation of that. Anyway. And then shortly after that, his dad did pass away in an accidental drowning, which is pretty sad during a fishing trip. So after that, his mom bought out a bar that his dad co- co-owned with some friends and just worked there full time. Um, she would eventually remarry and they would move around the California area. Jerry showed an interest in music early on. He loved rock and roll, rhythm and blues, as well as bluegrass growing up. His grandmother like used to play like the Grand Old Opry and things like that for him. And he even learned the banjo when he was a kid. At age 15, he would receive his first instrument that every rock and blues obsessed teen wanted. It's not a guitar, is it? It's an accordion. What the fuck? <laughs> that, I, I'm sure the mom meant well. I, I'm sure she meant very well. But that's a read the room situation. <laughs> yeah. Also, accordions aren't cheap. So it's They're not like not. it was a cheap alternative. So Jerry was a little bit disappointed as if ralphie had received the pink bunny suit instead of the red rider bb gun um so he like begged his mom to return it and eventually they would exchange it for an electric guitar and a small amp and probably got a refund on top of that probably in 1960 he stole his mom's car (laughs) because why not and he was caught by the police and he was given the option jail or army damn so well they did the same thing to Jimi hendrix yeah and he chose the latter he went in the army however he was not good for military service the same thing with Jimi hendrix shocking but in his situation during basic training he would basically just chill and miss roll call instead of like and doing you know a different kind of role i don't know if that's true but that probably happened and then safe to assume after a few months of just loafing um i imagine like the cat version of jerry garcia when i say that too that looks like a loaf just sitting there in his little army hat yeah um they said basically you're out of here and they just discharged him so basically the dude got caught went to the army and did nothing he loafed his way out of the army but he didn't have to go to jail he didn't have to go to jail so he just sat there (laughs) he just sat there i see nothing wrong with this scenario he got out of it um so anyway after that he goes to San Francisco and once again, just starts loafing. He's a loafer. Um, and shortly around that time, he, had, he and a few friends, they went driving around and the driver took a really fast turn and like the car just started tumbling and Jerry was actually ejected like through the window, like through the front front um, window shield. And it was so powerful, it took his shoes off. Damn. Yeah. He survived. Like, he only had a broken collarbone. Others were not so lucky in that car crash. And that's, like, when his he says his life began. And he just started taking it seriously. And he just started focusing on guitar. 
you know, where most get a job. But, <laughs> you know, if that's what makes you aware, dude, that's his calling. It. That's the calling. So let's move over to Phil Lesh. Um, Phil was born on March 15th, 1940 in Berkeley, California. There's really not much about the dude other than like from what I've heard from interviewers, he's kind of, I get the impression he's kind of like a musical genius and that he played violin and trumpet and studied jazz and like studied under a famous jazz, jazz musician. Um, after meeting the members of the band though, he decided to do bass guitar. Um, cool bassists have the most interesting origin stories they really do and it's always because they're pushed into it yep no one wants to play the bass no um and then we're gonna move on to bob weir it's either why or weir Mm. i'm not sure bob was born on october 16th 1947 in san francisco he was adopted and developed an interest in guitar at age 13 he got into trouble in school a lot like um academically wise because he had dyslexia which i can imagine like made him run more for guitar when he was 16 he's wandering the streets of palo alto looking for a club to sneak into and he hears something in an alley and i imagine it goes like (laughs) it's jerry garcia playing banjo okay (laughs) i probably did sound like that I guess he was like probably like teaching kids guitar because they just said he was waiting for one of his students. So that's my interpretation of that. But anyway, we'll pick up their story later. And then there's Ron Pigpen McKernan. Pigpen. Well, he was named Pigpen after the Peanuts character. Oh, God. Um, Ron was born on September 8th, 1945 in San Bruno, California. His dad was an R&B and blues DJ, um, which led Ron to be involved in R&B at at a young age. He first started with blues piano, then moved to guitar, then moved to harmonica. He became friends with Jerry Garcia, age 14, which would come in handy later. But before joining alongside the Grateful Dead, he also just loafed around between coffee shops and music stores. And then last but not least, there's Bill Krutzman. He was born on May 7th, 1946 in Palo Alto, California. He started playing drums at age 13 and would practice first on a kit lent to him. And then he would like go to a high school alone and play. His music teacher first told him, you can't keep a beat. But then randomly... This prominent English writer and professor named Aldous Huxley. Wait, the guy who wrote 1984? I think so, yeah. The fuck? Is randomly there. Okay. I thought George Orwell. No, that's Orwell. 1984 is the... Huxley is the shit. We read his book. Hold on. It's another dystopian novel. You are correct. It was terrible. I knew what you were saying. We had to write a paper on it. Huxley. Please look it up. It's going to bother me. Brand New World. Brave New World. Brave New World. That's what I'm thinking The Devils of London. Yeah. So Aldous Huxley just randomly shows up at his high school. No context is given both in the documentary and wiki of why he's he's there. there. Maybe he's He's just there. Who knows? It's ironic, though, because based off his wiki, he studied psychedelic experiences. That makes complete sense. From like something that's like similar to LCD, from my understanding. But I just think that's very ironic because there's going to be a lot of LCD in this band. LSD. LSD. What did I say? <laughs> LCD. LCD. That's the shit God in TV. It. <laughs> it's a liquid crystal display. I really can't stand sometimes <laughs> these tongue twisters that my brain causes for me. That's Thank what I'm you. here for. <laughs> yeah. You keep me straight. So anyway, he hears it and he tells young Billy that he's like never heard anything like it and keeps playing and because I'm OCD, I'm going to say what always comes to my head when I read that. Remember the scene from SpongeBob where uh, SpongeBob is a clarinet that Squidward yes. is playing. And then the king goes, why did you stop playing that beautiful music? <laughs> He's going, la, 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 la. <laughs> so that's, that's what pops in my head when I read that for some reason. <laughs> And I'm just going to leave you all with that because that's what goes through my brain a lot of times is just Spongebob references to things. Anyway, so 
how do these all loafs form into a bigger bread basket, if you will? <laughs> so, <laughs> grateful bread. <laughs> That's it. That's the title of the episode. I didn't have a title name. That's it. The Grateful Bread. <laughs> oh, graphics are gonna, <laughs> gonna be lit. Oh. Anyway. That's my crowning achievement on this show. <laughs> Dude, someone out there on TikTok, please. Please make me a bread scored with the with the lightning skull. Please. I bet it exists. Please do it. We're, I I need it now. We're googling that later. Anyway, so we first meet three future members of Grateful Dead or GD for short: um, Garcia, Bob Weir, and Pigpen. They first meet and they join a band together. So remember when Bob heard that sweet sound? Of Jerry's banjo. Yes. Well, guess what? They're starting something called a jug band. Like Emmett Otter's jug band. It's very simple. Yes. <laughs> yes. You're on the right track. So a jug band, for those who don't know, and I kind of want to be respectful because it does have a lot of roots in yes. African-Americans. I just think of Emmett Otter every time yeah. I hear the no, word it, it's, it's fair. It is a lot. It has transcended into pop culture for sure. But I do know it has a lot of roots in African-American culture, especially from vaudeville. Mm -hmm. Um, so I want to be a little bit respectful, but basically what it is, it's, um, basically making music with any household items. So jugs, spoons, washing boards. Yeah, you got it. And, um, so, you know, they think we're on a resurgence because it's from the 1920s vaudeville and they're like the resurgence is coming <laughs> and they named their band mother mccree's uptown jug champions and th- they only had one album which side note the artwork was an animated woodchuck or groundhog depending on what type of the world you're in a frog a rabbit and a pig playing instruments so it really was emma otter's jug band <laughs> it, it was very very similar i'm sure jim henson because I imagine he's a deadhead. There's I, no way you can tell me he's not. My head canon is that Jen Han- Jim Henson was a deadhead. Yes. He probably got inspiration from it. We're cracking the Muppets here, guys. Yeah. Correct. Um, so after that album, didn't do that great. They decided Jug Music is not the resurgence. And they instead went psychedelic and changed her name to The Warlocks. They also added Phil and Bill. Um, however, the Warlock's name was taken, so they had to come up with a new name. So, what do you do when you have to come up with a new band name? Well, you stare at random shit in your room until it appears to you. You are correct, <laughs> but this time you do DMT. Ah. Uh. Okay. <laughs> so they did some DMT. They open a Britannica, and oh. Jerry just stumbles upon Grateful Dead. This is just chaotic good how they chose this name, and the name means someone who is dead but are grateful for a good burial. So imagine someone's just dead on the side of the road and you're like, ah, oh, that shouldn't be. So you bury them. That's a grateful dead. Okay. Um, the lineup is as follows. Jerry is on vocals and guitar. Bob is on guitar and does some vocals as well. Bill is on drums. Phil is on bass and Pigpen is on, does some vocals, organ and harmonica. Now I want to take a moment and introduce to you some, some people to the story as if you didn't have enough people to keep tabs yeah. on, but they are important to their story. We're not going to talk about them too, too much, but you should know about them. The first person we're going to talk about is Ken Kesey. This bro is an author. Yes, but basically he's a hippie. That's it. Okay. He's a hippie. He's a countercultural activist. Okay. Is his official title. Countercultural is very big in describing um, the Grateful Dead. Um, but you know, when you think of that, like, hippie leader who got the people on the bus, right? Like the scene from Umbrella Academy? Yes. That's what this dude is. Okay. Basically. He has a group of followers named the Merry Pranksters. Their goal, which a little bit of a strong word, their journey is to live communally at Ken Kesey's house and take LSD. Um, in 1964... They would all load up in a psychedelic painted bus called Further and travel around and hand out LSD. <laughs> there also was a book. 
thought about putting this in, but no, I wish I did. Um, it was called Kool-Aid. I'm going to have to look it up. It's like Kool-Aid journey or something like that, but it was about a reporter who followed them. Okay. And this information is important because their first show was in San Jose at one of Ken Kesey's acid tests, which we'll talk about more in a little bit. But basically, to give you a little summary, it's a party where you took LSD in a room with black lights, strobe lights, and fluorescent paints. It was advertised on posters around the city, around San Francisco, that said, can you pass the acid test? I don't like that. No. I don't think I would pass the acid test. (laughs) (laughs) Leah, you know I would not pass the acid (laughs) test. No, neither of us should be taking the acid test. I have emergency. (laughs) I'm not calling you an ambulance. (laughs) (laughs) Someday you all will hear that story. (laughs) Today today, is not that day. Today is not that day. Um, The Grateful Dead was also considered members of the Merry Pranksters. I think Jerry Garcia married someone from Merry Pranksters. Anyway. And then lastly, I would like to introduce Owsley Bear Stanley. He would have two important roles in the Grateful Dead career. Sound engineer for the band. Main chemist and LSD supplier to Kezi and the band. The fact that there is a chemist on staff. A sound engineer chemist. Hey, a man I has many it. talents. A man. <laughs> <laughs> a man of many talents. Maybe he bakes bread too. Probably. He probably, he, he gives them their LSD. They he get, makes weed brownies, they get, I'm sure. I'm sure they are some fucking slapping weed brownies. <laughs> like, I didn't talk too much about this, but after he goes through a rest, he just says, I think I'm just going to grow weed. So he just starts growing weed, you know. That's probably a good move, but. It's probably a better move for him. But anyway, we'll, we'll talk about him sporadically throughout. So anyway, the band started their career by performing a lot of these acid tests. Which is what very are they testing for <laughs> testing, testing. They just go up there and they say test, 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 one, test, test two, check, 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 checkmate. <laughs> anyway, so it's very on brand for them. Um, they would essentially get high and see what music came out of them, which <laughs> I imagine does take a lot of a talent because I feel like if I did anything like that, I would just be screaming loudly like a possum. <laughs> Like <laughs> due to personal think, reasons. Ah, <laughs> exactly. I think that's what the music would be that would come out of me. Um I feel like I'd forget how to play my instrument. Like I honestly don't dude, think I'd remember. I was literally like I would just probably sit there and just pong, pong. like That's like I don't understand when musicians go on super drunk or super high. I don't get how it. How the fuck are you remembering what you're playing? You have to like your brain has to be chemically you have to be ozzy osbourne yeah you have to have certain chemicals that allow you to do that it's just I muscle can't, memory at i can't that fucking point, imagine yeah i guess but probably but they also would go on to play some larger festivals throughout their career mantra rock dance which we've talked about in the janice joplin episode side note if you remember janice and Pigpen dated for a time they may have lived communally for a while as well because there was a picture of her and Pigpen in that kind of setting um monterey pop festival which we also talked about in the janice episode and then festival express which was a train that went across canada with artists like janice joplin the band the flying burrito brothers that sounds cool as hell i love that name and then they would just play shows along the route then they would party like crazy and collab on music like crazy while they were on the train and of course, Woodstock, which fun fact, they played a 50 minute version of a song. The song was Turn On Your Love Light. Of one song? Of one song. They really forgot how to play. What? <laughs> <laughs> they were too high. <laughs> they just kept going. They just, well, it's actually funny you say that because like I listened to their music for the first time today and this is not me hating on them, but just simply describing them. They just play the same like they'll play one section of a song and then they'll play another section of a song. Then they'll go back in. So I can easily see that being stretched to 50 minutes if you do it right. But after mantra rock dance in 1967, they were signed to Warner bros, uh, which is a very odd pairing. 
Yeah, so limp's a little corporate for them, but okay. Yeah. And then under Warner Bros, they released their first album, which was self-titled, which may I say, the album cover, once again, makes no goddamn sense. It is like, I can't even describe it to you. You just got to go look it up. (laughs) I'm not even going to attempt it. And I want to throw in a real quick disclosure. We're not going to be talking a lot about the music and albums at length. We're just more noting like the ch- the sound changes that they go through. Um, there's a reason behind my madness. You're going to just have to wait and see. So the first flourish of albums at the beginning of their career were very exper- experimental, to say the least. One scholar said regarding their album, Anthem of the Sun, they were like mad scientists slicing pieces of home recordings and some pieces of studio recordings. And upon listening to their song Alligator, it definitely feels that way. Like it just like does something and then goes does something else. And it does this and then it goes and does that. Um, but then their albums, Working Man's Dead and American Beauty, they went more folk bluegrass, which is what I feel like they kept for a long yeah. time after that. And you know, that has a larger appeal. One song I did want to point out is Truckin' from their American Beauty album. That song is based on a true story where the band was in New Orleans and had their hotel raided for LSD. Um, Also, fun fact, LSD, when the band started, was legal. And then it became illegal. It was legal? It was legal. It was legal for a while. Wow. Well, not a while. I think it was created, I want to say in the 50s as you know it's basically lab made and then people were just it's meth 1.0 yeah <laughs> and then they just were making it you know and then it became illegal and then that you know you can't tell hippies once you give them something for free <laughs> you know, they, like, they want their you're shit you're not gonna take it away um but so their hotel was raided and they were arrested for the drugs but then they posted bail and just went and played the next night like it was like nothing um the bros don't skip shows and then the charges were dismissed but their friend Owsley Stanley was in some deep trouble they did not drop his charges as he already had pending charges in California and I'm just going to quote this straight from wiki Stanley was the first known private individual to manufacture mass quantities of LSD by his own account between 1965 and 1967 Stanley produced at least 500 grams of LSD amounting to a little more than 5 million doses he's breaking bad up in there dude he is he is Walter White damn (laughs) I am the one who loafs (laughs) (laughs) anyway um he also supplied LSD to the Beatles. That, that sounds exactly right. So anyway, um, so it is in that song that they have the lyric, what a long, strange trip it's been. I see that quoted all the time. Yes. That's what it's going to bring up. It's a mantra almost for deadheads. Yeah. And it's just everywhere. Because oddly enough, we have a lot of de- like deadheads in this area. Uh, yeah, we have the entire fucking lock-in festival yeah, dedicated to which that culture. Dead and Company plays. Yeah. Which is a spinoff, which we'll talk about. But it's very interesting because I will literally see for Peaks of Otter Winery, Long Strange Festival. And I'm just like, what is this? Yeah, there's like a weird deadhead community here. I almost, I almost went to one just to prepare for this episode, but I didn't have the time. So anyway, as you can imagine, the band is playing. They're doing LSD. Sometimes both. <laughs> Pig Pen's a little different. He didn't do drugs. He was a drinker. And unfortunately, that has some big consequences in his life. By 1971, he has liver damage. Super young. Um, his doctors tell him, stop touring. He does take a brief hiatus, but then he comes back. But then he had to stop altogether at the end of 1972. On March 8th, 1973, he is found dead at the age of 27. Damn, 27. Yeah, he's a 27-er, which is pretty sad. Um, He was missed by the band. Um, However, while he was still in the band, they added a second keyboardist for a bit, but he left. And then I'm trying to remember like where I read this, but I believe Jerry was approached by someone named Donna Jean Godcho and said basically like some long lines of, my husband is your next keyboardist. And she was right. Um, Keith Godcho joined the band on piano and then 
Donna joined on vocals a few months later. So when Pigpen died, you know, they had another keyboardist. Yeah. Um, ready to go. And also worth noting, the band had a second percussionist as well. So they have two keyboardists and two percussionists at one point in this band. Um, his name was Mickey Hart, the second percussionist. He left the band briefly. So I had a whole section written about him and then I took it out. But basically this dude, if I can kind of recap it because it plays into this next part. He both his parents were drummers which is very interesting. That is interesting. I've never seen that before. But his dad left early on and basically moved to California. And then he went to go track down his dad after he got out of the army and found his dad was sponsored by Remo, which is a drum manufacturer. Um, he found his dad. They basically like they tried the founder of Remo volunteered to like make a connection. And the first time it didn't go through the second time it did. And him and his dad started this like music center called Heart Music Center for a bit. But he was just kind of in and out, in and out. The reason I say this is because Mickey Hart had to leave for a little bit because his dad basically embezzled like $70,000 from the band. And it makes me feel so bad for him because like his dad like pulls the stupid shit you know yeah that's, his whole life pulls the stupid shit anyway so it but you did like eventually go back to the band and join them um so with the new members the band leaves warner brothers and forms their own record label called grateful dead records it's probably a good move it is a good move it, the reason why it's such a good move is basically they were told by a lawyer that they should own all their music which helped them make a lot of money later on. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of money. Um, anyway, more on that later. So their next few albums take a little bit of a different turn. They put out a jazz inspired album called Wake of the Flood. Then <laughs> I wrote then another album called Wake of the Flood. That is not correct. <laughs> they did not put out two albums called Wake of the Flood. Um, but after that, the band goes on a touring hiatus a little bit. But before that hiatus, Jerry Garcia filmed some concerts with the intent of making a film. And he did just that. And he released a movie called The Grateful Dead Movie in 1977, which was part animated, part concert and part skit. Okay. Anyway. But if you ever want to experience what it's like to do LSD without the substance, go watch the first five minutes okay. of that movie. And I'm going to attempt to summarize this for you but basically it starts off you're in space and then an alien looking thing is playing an uncle sam themed paintball a pinball i'm sorry pinball machine because it always goes back to pinball machines in the 60s pinball wizard. yeah exactly and uncle sam turns into a skeleton which is one of their like it's a skeleton that it's skeleton it's like one of their like designs and he dances around for a little bit you know skeleton dance um and then he gets on a motorcycle and i'm assuming motorcycles through space and then he ends up in a town which shows imagery from what is like a made-up parody religion called church of the subgenus of course ken kesey is a subscriber to it i don't have time for that okay that's a whole other rabbit hole read it about yourself then he's in a desert made of mushrooms slash feet what what yeah, they look like mushrooms, but they're really feet. Mushroom feet. I was following up until this point. Yeah. And, you know, what? Yeah, I mean, it's an acid trip. There's going to be mushrooms in it. Um, and then colored dots start flying around as if, like, Polka Dot Man just visited. <laughs> and then he's in jail where the Statue of Liberty breaks the skeleton out. Okay. That's the first five minutes. Okay. I'm good. I don't need to see this. <laughs> I can picture it. <laughs> okay. Okay. You're good then. Um, I watched it for you. Thank you. In 1978, they go more in a disco direction with their album Shakedown Street, which actually was pretty good. I did listen to one song from that today. Um, the same year, they play three shows in Egypt right at the base of the pyramids. That's fucking cool. And the reason why is because there was going to be a lunar eclipse and it was going to be this very like, you know, new agey thing. And... Also, like, Grateful Dead has some kind of tie to Egypt, apparently, from my understanding. Um, 
but the recordings from that were not the best. So no one really has Damn. those. I know. But we do have a picture of Jerry Garcia riding a camel. That's so, all we need. So we have that. Um, in 1979, Keith and Donna leave the band, which brings us to the 80s, which is a very strange time for the band. They're continually releasing music and touring, so that's not changing. But in the mid-80s, Garcia developed some serious health issues from drugs, alcohol, and he has a diabetes diagnosis. And he falls into a diabetic coma for five days. Damn. Yeah. It's wild. And as a result, he has to relearn everything, including guitar. Oh, man. Um, however, because of that event, it re-energizes him, which leads to the band putting out an album called In the Dark and their song Touch of Grey for some reason like charts. So something you have to understand about this band I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit the band has like a little bit of charting but they don't really yeah. chart at all which we'll talk about why in a second but for like the they've been together for 20 years and this song goes into the top 10 it gets MTV rotation. I never knew Grateful Dead was on MTV. Yeah. That's weird. Their music to me. video is just them as skeletons, of course. Of course. Playing. Why wouldn't it be? Yeah. Um, but this brings in new fans, which is not the best for the band shows. Um, up to this point, all Grateful Dead events are just very peaceful. And the new audience starts to get a little violent, like three people die at a concert. I don't know if it's like one concert or just different concerts. And then there was like rumors that people were putting LSD in water at events so like yeah um yikes but this is kind of like the downslope unfortunately for the band the way i see it um one member passed away from drug overdose his name is brent midlands who was a keyboardist but we don't really talk about him that much um their last album was 1990 in 1994 they get inducted into the rock and roll hall of fame but in 1995, Jerry's health conditions are just getting worse. He's still drinking, doing drugs, still having health complications. His doctors force him to go to rehab. But in August 9th of 1995, he dies of a heart attack at the age of 53, which is Dang, super so young. young. Yeah. Um, and from there, the band disbanded. They never used the name Grateful Dead after that. But they did a bunch of offshoots mm -hmm. of different bands. So when we talked about Dead and Company, that's Bob Weir and John Mayer. Yeah. And a couple of other people. I think John Mayer being a part of that project is so random. Yeah, it is. But, you know. And then there's just like The Dead, which yeah. was Weir, Lesh, Hart, and Kreutzmann. Um, and then the other ones was another, but they just like kind of have these offshoots and then we'll usually have the word dead in it somewhere. In 2012, the band's recordings of a concert on May 8th, 1977 at Cornell University's Barton Hall was added to the Library of Congress's National Recording Registry. In 2015, the dead did a 50 years of Grateful Dead show called Fare Thee Well. And it was the last time we're Lesh Hart and Chrisman would play together. Oh. So I could end the story here. We are at like 42 minutes, but let's see where that puts us after editing. But wait, there's more. Yes. <laughs> What's the fun in that? I promised you something different and I'm going to give it to you. Damn it. Whether I like it or not. <laughs> Take it over the team. <laughs> so, Instead, for the rest of the outline, we're going to put our philosophical hats on. And during this philosophical sesh, we're going to ponder the question. Why the fuck were they this big? This is the age old question. Why? Uh, and let me take you step by step as to why I think this happened. The first answer. We're going to go back to the beginning of their career where they're on Hayton Ashbury District in San Francisco. They would often play for free. Mm -hmm. They would just do that a lot. And this immediately developed an intense fan base early on. Because a lot of people in Hate Ashbury, like during that time, they were runaways. They That's why they lived communally a lot of times. Because people were just taking them in. So they just, you know, they're in the community. So they're just playing shows. The second reason is these bros improv so 
much. Mm -hmm. And this is where, when I tell you this outline was tricky, this is why. Because while we have recordings, they're really known as a live band. Yeah. They're not really known for their recordings. And um, one scholar in the documentary from More Music Shows, that's on YouTube, shout out for putting that on there, um, for their second album, Anthem of the Sun, what's her name, Historian said like, they only had one song on that album that they felt represented them well, but the rest, like the band would rather you see them live to really understand who they were. And I would not be surprised if that sentiment continued throughout their entire career. Yeah. They also were known for not playing a set twice ever. That's super cool. Ever. And in the event that they played the same song consecutively, it would be done in a completely different way. Mm. So this is where deadheads start coming in. We're going to talk more about them in detail, but this is, was the initial poll. They're a live band. They improv so much. And if you wanted to hear, like you basically would just follow them to see if you get the opportunity to hear one of your favorite songs. Yeah. Anyway. And then the third would be technology. So back to our, everybody's favorite sound engineer and LSD supplier, Owsley Bear Stanley. He created something called the wall of sound, not to be confused with Phil Spector's wall. There are two different things. One's for recording, one's for live. Okay. Um, This is a literal wall of sound. So literally the dude was stacking speaker upon speaker upon speaker. They had the largest sound system ever built by 1974. Damn. To show you how big it was, I'm going to quote Wiki straight here. Quote, they had, I think it's a 9,300 watt solid state and three 350 watt vacuum tube amplifiers. I'm sure this means someone something to someone generating a total of 26,400 watts of audio power which 604 speakers total 604 speakers 604 speakers total why they're not 420 why they didn't stop there i'm mad they, from a branding standpoint for a band that has such good branding i know they could have done 420 enough. nope they had to do 604 that's I can't even picture that many speakers. I mean, Dude, it literally just looks like Legos. I will put up a picture of it. Yeah. It's insane. It's insane to look at. That's insane. It didn't last that long though, because it's pretty difficult to maintain. Also moving all that shit around. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you know, that fan base loves the experimentation. It is cool. What you do is you get each deadhead to take one speaker to the next <laughs> show dude they do it though <laughs> they do it and then you got your whole wall the next you would day. take a speaker of luke asked Hell you yeah. right yeah absolutely fill my car with speakers i don't care t- yeah yeah um the fourth would be branding so remember how i told you that lawyer persuaded them to do their own music yeah well that helped them a lot because it also helped them own their branding and these guys have like made millions millions just off Mm -hmm. the branding like they don't even need to get paid for the money yeah you know and they're already giving the money away for free anyway so like they're fine but like there's so much imagery in this band like there's the bears the bears yeah where the fuck did the bears come from the bears they're called the dancing bears they come from Owsley Bear Stanley. Oh my God. They're direct. They're LSD producing bears. They're LSD bears. Oh my God. Yeah. So that's where it comes from. Um, there's the skull and roses, which is one of their first imageries. Yeah. Um, the Uncle Sam skeleton, as we mentioned, and then that lightning skeleton. I yeah. don't know if that's what it's officially called. That's the one that I picture it. When yeah, I think that is the one. That one and the bears, I think, are the most yeah. pictured ones. So anyway, they established some good branding. They've made a shit ton of money off of the branding. Good for them. Um, these four reasons, in my view, led to what we know as one of the biggest, strangest fan bases ever, Deadheads. Deadheads have their roots from an ad that was on the sleeve of their second live album. And it said, dead freaks unite. Who are you? Where are you? How are you? Send us your name and address and we'll keep you informed. Deadheads, PO Box 1065, San Rafael, California, 94901. So that's, yeah, that's where it comes from. Regarding the concert experience and keep in mind for these fans and the band itself, it is 
really just about the live music. It is not really about the albums yeah. at all. And Mickey Hart once said, quote, the Grateful Dead weren't in the music business. They were in the transportation business. To take it further, I came across this article from Grinnell College. I think a college student wrote it. Thank you for writing this because you helped me actually understand it. So I'm going to quote him directly in here. Um, quote, many scholars have studied deadheads and I've tried to explain why deadheads go so far beyond the ordinary music fan to form such an intense connection with the band. I believe some of the best answers revolve around scholars who have seen religious aspects of the deadhead concert experience. In other words, a Grateful Dead concert is not just about music but features elements similar to religious groups. I get that though. Yeah, I get it. But to, but then it gets weirder. This is still the same article. The fans believed. Oh no, this is, this is something I wrote. Never mind. But pretend it's like the article. Cause I think this is pretty well written. The fans believed that they could make psychic connections with the band yeah. to get them to somehow play their favorite song. <laughs> <laughs> I've traveled all this way, Jerry. Dad, play the song. I've gone to 64 shows already. Play the song. That's hilarious. <laughs> and they believe like they th- they wanted to make these psychic connections with the band to also like do improvs that match their mood. I just think it's hilarious. So anyway, another aspect of deadhead culture. Um, One article cited that like people would start to get attracted by the community kind of like what we were talking about in that bonus episode yeah and people wanted to get away from the top 10 formulas and the profits in music but in the deadhead community like in the 60s and 7 people would like record bands playing live and usually bands would be pissed because like buy my music but the band actually welcomed these recordings but with one stipulation you could never sell the tapes you could only exchange and trade them that is cool isn't that cool i actually love this part so basically there's this whole like tape trading that still goes on today from my understanding of like trading tapes and could you imagine as a collector that is so fucking cool because you don't have youtube or anywhere to like post your clips from this night set so you're just like hand making tapes hand making them and trading them I wish we had a way of like preserving that because I think I do like that aspect. I like that a lot. And then another aspect of it is like when they're traveling, like they would like sell handmade goods, like homemade bracelets and things like yeah. that for cheap so they can have food and just travel to make it to the next show. Like some of these people are just doing this full time. That's that's my dream. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um. So anyway, they also have an interesting hierarchy, if you will. So basically, and I'm sure every fandom does this to an extent. It's just kind of like the first time I've seen it spelled out, but there seems to be a structure or a psychedelic pecking order, if you will, of like the individuals will follow. And I'm once again going to directly quote this college student's article because it's really well written and he explains it well. Um, There's the hardcore deadhead. This is a type of deadhead characterized as the ideal deadhead and is the type most character caricatured by the media their level of personal internalization of the deadhead identity is the highest they often have a functional role in the deadhead subculture such as a taper vendor or part of the tour group such as the rainbow family then there's the new deadhead new deadheads are characterized by their youthfulness and are generally in college and high school they were likely part of the crowd attracted to the culture from the success of the album in the dark this group of deadhead is blamed for the overpopulation of the subculture and looked down on their lack of experience or knowledge um Due to these negative perceptions, most deadheads do not personally identify with this group, yet many deadheads say it exists. Thus, a deadhead in this category has a strongly defined social identity, but a low level of personal internalization in the... Damn, that's like a psychoanalysis. And then there's the stable deadhead. Stable deadheads are characterized by an occasional yet consistent participation in a subculture. They often have responsibilities outside of the subculture, such as jobs and families to provide for. They have moderate amount of personal internalization of deadhead identity. And then lastly, there's this celebrity aspect. And I, I know I keep pulling quotes, but it's just so 
interesting. They wrote written. a really good They wrote essay. it really good this time. So I'm just, this is from Wiki. One of the most fascinating aspects of the deadhead subculture is the established tradition of deadheads who are celebrities only within their own subculture and not outside of it. This represents a continuance of the folk roots underlining the genetic group mind of the deadheads, a sense of living mythos in the now that continues to this day. The names of these heroes and legends are not widely shared with the uninitiated. So they're not listed here. What the fuck does that mean? You can't just all of a you you no, can't just put down their damn names. I get it though because like maybe it's not the like direct same, but like in the Strutter community, we don't share the ones who have the close connections of the band. All right, because I get then that. they get used and people hit them up and they're like, but but then just say that we're not going to release our sources. You could just leave it at that, but no, living mythos of the now. These heroes and legends. I, I get it. Okay. I get it. I don't personally get it, but I, I can respect that. But there are, they do instead list some celebrities who are deadheads, which I would have never predicted. To ramble them off real quick, Will Arnett, Tony Blair, Bill Clinton, George R.R. R. Martin, Nancy Pelosi. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And then Leonard Nimoy, who played the original Spock. Okay. And there's like a shit ton more listed. Those are just ones I found interesting. So my closing thoughts here, if you're wondering where I fall on the spectrum of Grateful Dead, and I can't believe I'm saying this, but I'm going to pull one more quote. And this one's from Joe Rogan. Because <laughs> he, no. had, he had a three minute segment and I was like, this is actually pretty funny. And he said, people have different genes. Like I don't have the Grateful Dead gene. Some people love it. And I listen to it and I'm like, Okay. <laughs> I feel that. I, I feel that too. But if you're a deadhead, just know I do appreciate your fandom. If you're I a really deadhead, do. send us an email. Can we talk to you? Yeah. I really have a lot of questions and I don't know what I have to do to get initiated, but I not, and I will be honest, it is not initiated because I like Grateful Dead. I just truly want to understand who you guys are more. We want to interview you. And I want the you. deets. I want the tea. I want yeah. the tea of what this is. This is a standing invitation. If you're listening to this episode two years from now. Yes. And you're a deadhead. We will interview you. Yes. Please come on. And the don't show. let my sarcasm on this episode deter you. No, we genuinely want to know. We generally, I generally want to know because this has been, like I said, a very different outline I have done. And I may not truly understand this band, but you clearly do. And I give you all the props. Yes. I appreciate that. So overall, that is a small glimpse into the Grateful Dead and I hope someone can interpret this mishmash of an outline I have created. Let's talk about our drinks. I have not, about- <laughs> I've taken two sips of my beer and I've only taken two because I'm scared of it. <laughs> uh, this Why is, is spicy. appropriately the atomic pumpkin. And it's appropriate because one, it's fall. And then two, their main person is a uh, skeleton wearing a biker's jacket and a... He has a little shroom on his hat. I really That's chose fitting. this well. But anyways, from Voodoo Ranger, it's a Belgium. The reason why I'm scared, it's an ale brewed with pumpkin cinnamon. That's not why I'm scared. That part's delicious. And chilies. It's it's weird. So when you drink it, you get hit with the cinnamon and then the pumpkin. And that's nice. And then if it would just ended like a beer, I would have been satisfied. But then it goes into a spicy taste and it throw, you lost me. Yeah. You lost me after that. But I'm going to take one more sip and see if I still like it. It's very weird. I tasted it. Not a fan. Nope. <laughs> still don't like it. Uh. Anyway. So that's that's probably the first one we've never like actually recommended. Usually we're like, that's good. Yeah. Don't get this one. Personally, it's not my... Beer should not be spicy. I like when beer gets experimental, but I don't like the spicy version. But I appreciate you thinking of it. I appreciate the creativity that went into yeah. it, this beer is like the Grateful Dead and Grateful. it has hops in it. So it's also like the Grateful Bread, but I appreciate, <laughs> I appreciate the thoughts that went into this beer, the improvisation that went into this beer, but do I understand it? No, but I understand you have created something here. So there you go. I realized what happened to our notes last time. What? Two bullet points got deleted. That's why good oh, pods. Good pods. Just in the middle of it.
Thanks for listening. You can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Good Pods. Special thanks to Death of Fawn for our intro riff. Be sure to visit our website, shewarakyou.com. There you'll find links to our socials, our show notes, ways to contact us, and you can buy some merch. Merch, merch, merch. And remember, don't do drugs, especially acid tests. Yeah, and like if you know a sound engineer that sells you LSD, may I suggest not being friends with them? Yeah. <laughs> don't 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 do it. Just don't. Yeah, just don't.